0: Two, three, You are listening
1: to the Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. The Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time.
2: Oh my goodness! Welcome to the Philanee podcast, uh, especially everybody here in the Portland, PDX uh, area. We love the weather right now. It's kind of overcast, kind of cloudy, but uh, sun breaking through. So I'd just like to say good morning. Welcome to the Felony Inc. Podcast, live from downtown Portland, Oregon, and brought to you by Startup Radio Network. I'm Lad Justison, and each week we interview formerly incarcerated men and women who have turned their lives around and started successful businesses. The original host of our program, Dave Dahl of Dave's Killer Bread, is on vacation right now and won't be able to be here in the studio, but he was able to turn his life around and make the best bread in the world. His turnaround story has inspired many, and we hope that today's guest will do the same. I know he will. Before I get to our guest, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Mark Gailey. He's the owner of Murder, Inc. Tattoo Parlor right here in downtown Portland, and a fine example of a formerly incarcerated knucklehead that was able to turn his life around. Well, I would say turn his life around, what, 60% maybe?
1: <laughs> That's true, yes. So how's, I'm, not, I'm not perfect.
2: How's the, how's the ink business doing, Mark?
1: It's, it's okay, yeah. There's been a couple of little slow spots, but, you know, um,
2: that has nothing to do with anything. I can honestly say that Mark leaves a, a, an impression on people. <laughs> Honestly,
1: literally—is that cool? I think that's cool all along. That was pretty smart. It was it Didn't have like a little clapping? Uh, a little soundtrack. sound effect. <sighs> yeah, good one. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: you know what? What else you've been doing, Mark? Anything?
1: Um, oh, just uh, personal life, uh, the business thing. It's just that uh, it's <laughs> been a lot lately. So. Um, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. You sent
2: me a picture of some pretty good looking young lady that was in your oh, arms the other day. Oh, yeah, How's that going?
1: It's going pretty good, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, it's amazing, actually. She's, uh, pretty cool. I'm not going to, you know, put the cart before the horse, but I always do anyway, so. <laughs> yes, I will put the cart before the horse. But, anyways, yeah, um, that's, that's one good little thing that's going on in all the chaos that I'm surrounded by with my, uh, Chaotic roommate or landlord, slash, um, you know, the business, the dynamics of uh, the different artists, you know, all have like, you know, it's like, I didn't, you know, sometimes you didn't realize you have to be there to hold their hand through things.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Just like all on our sound guy. If you're not here hold his
1: hand, he doesn't feel appreciated. <laughs> From way across the sound table.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'd like to kind of give everybody a little bit of an update on the killer granddaddies. We've uh, been out and about having a lot of fun lately. Um, last Saturday, uh, we went down to Eugene, Oregon, where I was raised as a I... child. And uh, we kind of honored my friend of many, many years, Bob LeFevre. And uh, we had took the, the Kilogram Daddys down there, took a bunch of barbecue and uh, side dishes, and we just had a great time. Everybody was cool. Everybody was happy. And then the next day, believe it or not, we had another gig, and we performed uh, for a... Uh, it's kind of a family um, addiction um, program, which is really cool. It's uh, starting out, so we were able to perform there and meet some really cool people. And then on Tuesday... Guess what we did, Alon?
1: Um, you played at the O2 Arena in London.
2: There you go. No, it was better than that. We played at Dave's penthouse downstairs in the patio area. Really? This is the second annual killer Grand uh, fundraiser. And what we did, you know, Dave's favorite uh, little charity here in Portland is called Constructing Hope. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we played, and then we put out a little tip jar, and the residents there actually contributed almost six hundred dollars i like it to uh constructing hope so we were pretty proud of that
1: i remember when you all did that last year as well yeah
2: cool it was fun man i mean a lot of good people and it's kind of a cool way for dave to to kind of get introduced to some of the people that live in a building you know you see a few here and there going up and down the
1: elevator but you know that's really important because um you have to know who to avoid that's right
2: so, you know, before we go any further, Mark, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get to our guest because we're kind of running a little bit late. This guy has this awesome freaking story. We've had him on the show <clears throat> before. His name's Cos Martin, Marte. And uh, he came up with a program while he was in prison. I love it's it. It's a fitness program. And he's going to tell us uh, a little bit of the story about how it all began. Martin You know, it's just one of those just awesome stories. Koss, great, great welcome idea. to the program. How you doing?
3: Hey, how's it going?
2: It Thank is good. Time. What's the weather like there in New York? You're in New York, right?
3: Yeah, it's, it's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. Pretty hot. Like it's like, uh, a lot. I don't know, it's like, it's not that bad today, but it, it could be, you know, upwards to like mid-90s. But today is pretty, pretty perfect is around 80s.
2: Yeah, it's nice here in Portland. Like I say, just a little bit of an overcast, but, the, you know, the sun's breaking through a little bit. And it's probably, what, about 80 degrees here right now? Perfect. Yeah, it's just nice. Just nice. So, I know we had you on the show before. We had a lot of yeah. rea- reaction to you being on the show and what you did in person oh, yeah. and how you turned your life around. So, oh, uh, why don't we just go back to that story about, you know, kind of a little bit about your childhood and just to re- kind yeah. of reiterate the story we had before, so we got some, we got some new listeners or anything, and everything. I'm sure that they'd be interested in
3: hearing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I started Combody, which is a prison-style boot camp where I hire people coming out of the prison system to teach fitness classes. And so, um, and a little bit about my background: I, I grew up, born and raised in the Lower East Side of New York City um, in the '80s, which went uh, pretty and drug-infested neighborhood back then um, and uh, as I grew up I got involved in that, in that, that world um, my, my family I had family members involved in it and I and I, and I saw it as a opportunity to make money um, I saw my cousins and my friends who were hanging out in the corner you know with big chains and cars and that's and, I, and that's what I do thought was you know life was all about. And I I thought that was real success. Um,
2: those big chains, yeah. I remember those, man. The bigger the gold <laughs> chain, man, the cooler. Yeah, the, the rope
3: uh, chains. I
2: think uh, Mark still wears those. But, the, yeah, those are cool, man. <laughs> hey, you know it's so um, funny
1: you know, my, my uh, 20-year-old son kind of like thinks he's a rapper or is, but he has this chain and it was fake. I'm just like, really, are going to wear that fake chain? He goes, yeah, it looks cool, man. So the other day I go, hey, where's your chain? He goes, yeah, you're right, man, I ain't cool.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Somebody
2: told him, hey, dude, yeah. that's, that ain't right. I can't tell him. That ain't right. Anyway, go ahead, guys.
3: Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up following people's footsteps that I've that I seen, you know, who I thought were my role models. Um, who were my role models at the time, I guess. And, um, and when I would go to school, people would ask me, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, I would tell them I wanted to be rich. Um, and, and drugs was, like, uh, the first opportunity that I had to, you know, go that route. Um, Obviously, you don't become rich with (laughs) the first bag you sell, but uh, um, it took a while. It took a a lot of hustle and grind on the street. It was not, you know, a lot of people say selling drugs is easy. It's probably one of the hardest jobs you you, you could probably ever have um, or just having your own company. But, um, yeah, I I eventually got arrested uh, for running one of the largest drug delivery services in New York City. And at 19, I was making over $2 million a year. Um, had over 20 people working for me. Had this underground like cocaine delivery service. Um, but at 23, everything ended. Um, I was I was sentenced to seven years in prison, and that's when I found out I had a lot of health issues. My my cholesterol level were through the roof. My I had blood, high blood pressure. Um, was placed on medication and was told that if I didn't if I didn't eat correctly, and obviously in prison, you don't get the best food um or work out uh that i was in risk of having a heart attack within five years
2: well you you were overweight right
3: yeah i was pretty overweight i was pretty overweight yeah
2: you know before you went to prison cause i'm just curious um did you yep. did you use your the drugs you were selling
3: uh just weed
2: just smoked the weed yeah okay because, you know, I always think about that, you know, when when the guys are out there doing their thing, and um, most guys that I ever met, when I was growing up, if if they started getting into the bag, they just never made any money after that. It was always, Absolutely. you know, they, just, they got hooked on it, and they were just out there in the field somewhere picking up cigarette butts. But, yeah. yeah. So you had to kind of I kick just, the I, habit of weed when you got in there.
3: Yeah, yeah and, uh, well, I was, I was selling coke, and... Weed was cheap, and um and I was smoking a lot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's now legal. <laughs> hmm. uh, is
2: it legal in New York now?
3: It's decriminalized, but pretty much, I mean. Yeah, they don't. It's like don't you, you it. can smoke in front of a cop, and you know nothing happens nowadays. But back in the day, they'll throw you on the fucking ground and choke you to death for <laughs> half a joint. <laughs> Uh, it was ridiculous you know i got arrested a few times and beaten up for it you know because i was just on the block smoking weed you know right. um it's just crazy but now it's like oh you know they, they you have an officer to light up a fucking joint for you now
0: <laughs> yeah you know here
2: here in portland it's it's totally legal and yeah i know it's kind of weird how how the dynamics of that work because in portland um, people are super snobbish about cigarette smoke.
0: Yeah.
2: But, and they'll look at you like, you know, you're standing on the street corner ready to cross the street and you're smoking a cigarette and they'll look at you and, yeah, and, hi- wrong and at that. hide their, kid, that person, their kids man. behind you, them, you know, because you're smoking or whatever. But then you walk yeah. walk up the block and there's a whole gang of people sitting there smoking weed and they walk right through that without saying anything, you know, so. Yeah. It's crazy. It's discrimination. Yeah.
3: 2019. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. it. so now you're in prison and yep. you're these um, these prison doctors or whoever the nurses or whatever Yeah, they have position. told you look Koss you know um, you're not in good shape um, your yep. diet's not good this is you know you're not going to live too long if you keep doing this so there was a change of heart, mind you know whatever at that point uh, take us from there
3: yeah I mean so I I um yeah, I, I get back to my cell after they tell me this, and I, I started working out. I, I probably did like 10 dips off the side of my bed, I tried to do a few push-ups, jumping jacks. Right, I right
1: from right, coming back, from went to yourself yeah, working out come, that quick?
3: Yeah, just coming back. I, was just, I mean, it's a long, little long walk, but I get to my unit, and I just sit there, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm, gonna, I'm by myself, I'm to have the time and I just start moving, and, um, and I got frustrated, because it was just like, I, I couldn't do, like, 10 push-ups, and I was, and I was just like, I, I gave up, I was like, fuck, this shit is way too hard, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I ro- rolled back, you know, into the bed, and I lay there, and then she fell asleep, and, and I woke up the next morning, and they called wreck and that's when I, when I really started working out, and I woke up, and I just, like, just felt like I needed to run and and I went out to the yard and I started just doing laps and, laps and after laps and after laps and uh I couldn't run ever you know, in the beginning I was probably like running, walking, running, walking, you know, for a minute at a time each and then uh, eventually built myself up where I was like running two hours a day. Um and in six months I, I, I managed to lose seventy pounds. Um That's and caught great, the eyes of other men. Yeah and just kept moving and I don't know I just had time and it became an addiction for me and just like if I missed a miss the day I felt like I, I felt awkward you know I felt like I, I felt like I missed out you know
2: so you know a lot of people a lot of our listeners you know that have never been in prison uh, they don't really understand uh, you know they see what they see on TV and they think that you yeah. know all the prisons have um, extensive uh, you know gym memberships right well that's yeah. not really true you know I mean some, gym, you know, some prisons do have weights on the yard or weights in the gym yeah. or whatever. But there's a lot of lockdown time, you know. The yeah. prison goes into lockdown, and you don't have any, you know, there's nothing. You can't get to the gym, right? So, so. that's where, you know, I, I'm thinking that's probably where part of your your thing came from was that you had to be kind of inventive on how to kind of get, you know, get your workout on.
3: Yeah, and I was a, I was a little bit embarrassed, you know, going out to the yard and working out, and, you know, until I like broke through it and and just started running. And people would make fun of me and all that stuff. But I I was, there, There's certain prisons in New York that have now new equipment in the yard. Um, and there's no there's not an equinox. <laughs> um, by the way, I don't know if you heard the whole equinox news. Um, but it's been it's been going pretty viral uh, that, you know, that, the CEO of Equinox is throwing a fundraiser party for, for Trump's campaign, which was crazy. But, um, anyway, uh, yeah, in prison, there's no Equinox. Right. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and I basically used the tools that I had, which was my body weight and, 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 uh, and the little space that I had. And, uh, and I would use like, you know, we would put like water bags together and like, do creative shit like that, and you know, use our pillowcases to stuff them with stuff and use that as curls. And and uh, I used to tie the mattress behind my back and do like step ups on my bed and just crazy, so crazy creative ideas that I just had the time to do and thought about it while I was in NSL.
2: So you know, tell me what it what it felt like, cause you know when you first started working out, you know, and how much did you weigh at that point?
3: I was 231.
2: So you're 231 pounds. And how tall are you? 5'8". Uh, so, you know, you, you're a pretty healthy boy right at that point. So yeah. tell me what it felt like the first time that you were able to go out there and do your thing for a while and then go back to health services and get on the scales.
0: What
3: was so that they, like? they, Yeah, I mean, they called me back in like three months uh, just to do like a checkup and They checked me and it was like you're all normal. Um, I think at the time I might have. It was like after three months, I know I lost like forty pounds, and I was like one ninety at that time. And um, and it was just like, like I didn't have to be on a special diet or, you know, and I and I just kept doing it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I was I felt relieved. I felt like. You know I got another shot out life for a second, you know I didn't feel like I was gonna die tomorrow or anything, but I just felt um, I don't know I felt like i I, I was I could move you know after I felt for so long that I couldn't I didn't have the mobility to like do a like run around like when I was a kid I would you know play sports all day and not even think about anything
2: so when you um, say uh, you're back to normal, you're talking about your cholesterol levels and all yeah. that good stuff,
3: yeah. Yep.
2: So uh, that had to be a great feeling, you know. Um, probably for the first time in a long time, you know, you have energy not only to... I'm not sure you had energy, you know, when you're dealing drugs, but I think I remember yep. you talking about before um, when you were out there on the streets dealing drugs that you would sit in your car all day and shit was happening around you and you really yep. didn't get out and, and do a lot of exercise.
3: Yeah, literally used to double park my car in the streets and not even waste my time parking. And um, I mean, New York is, is is different, but just I would like drive to a corner store and, and like tell somebody to get me a sandwich and then drive to the middle of the block <laughs> and leave my car there. And I was just like, "Dud." That was it. I guess, yeah, the maximum laziness <laughs> person that you could think of, you know. Wow,
2: that's that is that's crazy to think about that. You know, uh, and
3: I was not even late. I was not even lazy. I was like very motivated and making money and like nonstop hustling all day or night, phone calls and stuff like that. But um, mobility wise, I was stuck.
2: Yeah. Well, so so now you go into prison. This starts happening. You start losing some weight. You obviously start feeling better about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so now and and again i remember this from talking to you before yeah. some of your buddies see this transformation and they're like hey cos you know what's going on yeah and so
3: yeah you, you got them yeah involved. yeah there was one one particular guy first um his name was bus um he like was really big guy i think he's like 320 like five, nine, five, eight, like we're on my, my height. And, uh, but he was, uh, way bigger than me. Um, and just like came up to me and asked me, uh, actually, I was in the yard and I was smoking a cigarette. And he asked me for half a cigarette. And, uh, I, I don't smoke anymore. Um, at least not cigarettes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um but yeah, I, I, he, we started a conversation and he was like, yo, let's start running laps. And, um, and then we, Start, he, he started joining me and started running. And then after a while, I got another friend, Santi. And then, um, bus brought two of his other friends. And, and it just became a crew where we would form a little circle and we just, like, you know, do I workouts, do like 10 laps, 20 laps around the yard, um, and just use all body weight stuff. Um, and that was it. So these guys, these did guys yeah, seen
2: they, you before. They, they've yeah. seen, you know, the old cost, you know, at 200 yeah. and some odd pounds. And they're like, holy crap, you know, this guy yeah. can do it, man. I, I think I we can want some of that. hang in there too.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, and I, I, it busts us like close out. I think it was oh, definitely over 80 pounds. Um, wow. And he, in six yeah, it was, yeah I don't know how long it took. It took I don't know, I can't tell you exactly what the time was uh, with him but um but yeah like collectively everybody got into shape like we were just so motivated and, and going you know meeting up and we were from different units like and so we would you know call each other from different cell blocks and meet up in the yard and you know, there's not call out, and there's no phone calls. But yeah, uh, yeah to send and send notes, or like send notes, be like, "Yo, we're going out to the yard today," or like scream from one side of the mess wall to the other, and be like, "Yo, we we'll can see you at twelve Type of stuff like that, but yeah.
2: Well, Cos, you know, uh, I want to talk about how this all kind of formed or, you know, morphed into a business. But before we do that, um, we're going to have to thank
0: some of our sponsors. So hang tough. We'll be right back. Okay. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the
2: Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future. Future of your business. All right, so here, so fabulous, let's well. get back to Cos. Cos is the main man here. I mean, we got we got a picture of you here, Cos. Uh, yeah, right you know, there, it's right? got you. Are you are you the guy in the front with your arms folded?
3: Oh uh, yeah, no, on the website.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's me. That's you. You're so dreamy. How come all the other guys got their shirts off and you're just like covered
3: up? <laughs> that was that was a men's health shoot. They 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 asked me. to... Uh, uh, they they basically like orchestrated the whole shoe so it was like pretty even. Yeah, on one side it was a whole thing, so we did like a whole little video uh, DVD workout for men's health.
2: This guy uh, on the left hand side with the dreads, um, he looks pretty intimidating.
3: Yeah, so Yeah, uh, he's he's a he's a teddy bear. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you guys look really good right there. So let's get let's get into how. All of this, you know, kind of morphed into um, an actual business because, yeah. you know, that's like um, all these guys, these these friends of yours that you're that you're literally, you know, helping change and turn their lives around. Uh, yeah. the, the workout, you know, that's the part of it. But it's not just a workout. It's self-esteem. It's it's a bigger picture of what you're providing for these guys, man. And so that obviously uh, kind of turned into something uh, legitimate when you got out, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. When was the yeah. uh,
1: epiphany or the aha moment?
3: Yeah. When you... uh, so I, I basically, it was towards the end of my incarceration, where um, I was about to be released in about two months. I was, you know, my family was waiting for me. My son was... You know waiting for me you know everybody thought i was coming home uh unfortunately i got into an incident with an officer who uh, placed his hands on me while i was um well i I was actually walking towards the medical unit and they did like a random search and um and he he beat the he beat the crap out of me because i uh uh while i was getting searched he he was really rough on me and i moved around a little bit and he uh, punched me behind my head and said, Don't fuck with me today. That's not my day. And, and I, I got up and, and turned around on him. Uh, not to strike him back, but I was just so I was trying to like avoid another hit. So I'm like, Turn around, step back. And as soon as I did that, um, he presses the, the alarm. Which is like a, they call it the pen, it's, it's a button and a in that walkie-talkie. Right. And once that once that is pressed, uh, the whole the whole prison hits the ground. The goon squad and, um, and and just got to you know, just got to wait for impact because about a half a dozen officers come to the scene and break me down, you know, shackle me up, and uh, they throw me in the box. And oh. was, you know, when I was in the box. I mean, you know. I was. Uh, they put me in 24 hour lockdown, and I'm there, and I'm just like going crazy because I didn't do you anything. Know, I didn't do anything, and this guy's telling me that I was trying to attempt to assault an officer, and and I couldn't talk to anybody, and and I'm like I'm about to come home in two months, and I'm and I didn't go home. So know? how how
2: long were you in there? How much? How long were you in the hole? And then how much time did they add to your sentence because of that?
3: Uh, so I did a total uh, six months, um, and then I did an extra year. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do,
2: you, do you think it was a setup? That guy was just like, oh, this guy's getting out. I'll show him.
3: No, nah, was, it was definitely not a setup because I never, you know, I seen the officer once on a but I was not known to cause trouble. I was just, I always try to keep to myself. Plus, I was short time, and, like, you know, I was not... You know, it, well I was in, in prison, you know, I got into jail politics and you get into the yard and you fuck around and get into fights. But the last couple of months, I was like the cleanest that I could be. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was trying to just avoid anything. And um, and that shit happened to me. And, I, and, I'm, and all I could say, like, ask myself was like, like, why? You know what I mean? Like, God, why? Like, like, why? You know, um. And and I guess combody is the why. <laughs>
2: because it, you uh, hadn't really thought about making this a business until you had yeah. that extended period of time in jail.
3: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about it. Um, it. It was not until I got into the box where I'm like going devastated, and I, I, I you know I got the opportunity to get paper, pen, and envelope, and I and I try to write my family, and I had no stamps to send out the letter with. Um, And at that moment was when I felt like the most hopeless I've ever felt, you know. And I, yeah, I can imagine. uh, Yeah, I just, I was just stressed out of my mind. And um, I basically was like, you know, I didn't know what to do until I, about a weekend in in the hole, um, my sister finds out I'm in solitary because I was, you know, pretty much constantly calling my family and um, they didn't hear from me. So you know, my sister is like the most religious person I pretty much know, and she's like, "Hallelujah, Amen, everything." And (laughs) I I call her Mother Teresa's child. She's like, (laughs) she's very, very Catholic. Um, She's that was her, that's her. Um, Yeah, but she, uh, she basically found out and uh, and wrote me a letter and and told me, you know, to keep my head up. That you know, that she's going to be supportive and. And she told me to read Psalm ninety one from the Bible, and I was like, "What? Like, like I don't follow God, and I didn't believe in any any of that." And um, and I took I basically took that letter and threw it in the corner myself, and just was laying there and. You know doing nothing for twenty four hours you come up with your own schedule and basically out of boredom I, I decided to open up a Bible that she gave me on early early on in my incarceration that I basically just used to put like uh like an address book you know anybody that was coming home I would uh you know put their number and I tell them I was gonna call call them when i was when I was out 'cause the Bible is the only thing that or whatever religious item is uh, is the only thing that that could follow you around the whole prison. So, right. Um, so uh, it was not until you know maybe uh, three four days after she wrote me that letter, where I decided to pick it up and I just you know flicked to Psalm ninety one, started reading it. Um, it states, "He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of Almighty." I'll say to the Lord, He is my shelter, and my fortress, my God, in who I trust. And as soon as I read those words, a stamp fell out of my Bible. A huh. stamp, yeah, and that was like, brought me chills. I, I that's crazy. It was it was crazy to me to you know, uh, like I, I that was like a sign of hope for me, you know. Nice, um, and it was not. Nice. <laughs> I guess this is probably the cheapest item you could ever get, you know. From yeah. anything around the world now and like
2: it meant the most
3: at and that it moment. meant the most it yeah. was the most expensive you know it was that gold chain that i wanted you know yeah um and um and i got to send my letter out and i explained to my whole family what the whole situation was uh they came and visited me and, and when you visit somebody in a box you know they, they basically have you no know, shackles and, right um you know, you can't touch him, and it's it's just a very depressive moment, you um, know, and after that I told him I didn't, I didn't want no visits after that, so um, I basically, you know, came home, and, well, I went back to my cell, and like just started praying, you know, for the first time and, and, and asking, like, how can I get back, you know, for all the wrongdoings that I've been in my life, you know. Well, nice. You know, I've done a lot of crazy shit, and and um and I, I, I can't it what hit me was, you know, Calm Body, it was the workout. You know, I was already helping these guys in the yard. I was building a camaraderie. I came up with an idea and I just started writing it down. And then I wrote it down and basically came out with a book, you know, with it in on Amazon now. Um it's called Combody. Um and I, I basically wrote out, you know, my whole workout there and and said this is what I was gonna do. And uh, I came home a year later behind that situation, and um, and just started doing it, I, with no money. I would, I lost everything I had, and I uh, went back to same neighborhood I grew up in. Uh, slept in my mom's couch and got up every day and started promoting that I was doing workouts in the park.
2: Yeah, and so I, you would just go to the park and yeah. uh, take your shirt off, and of course, all the guy the
3: girls are going <laughs> the guys. Woo-hoo. Yeah, all and, the girls were in yoga pants. <laughs> and so
2: they're like, wow, how how did you get in shape? And um, you're like, let me show
3: again. <laughs> Prison, baby.
2: <laughs> Prison, that's it. And so you started doing little classes in the park, or how did that work?
3: Yeah, so, I, you know, in the beginning, it was hard to grasp anybody's attention, especially in New York, like, everybody's so busy and running around. Um, I basically just, like, had my mom there um then i had a neighbor there and then i had you know people that would just look at us work out and i then you know while while they were doing something holding a plank i would go up to somebody and be like hey you want to come join and some people would be like sure some people were like you know go fuck yourself and <laughs> yeah and that was it and i would um And and that's how it went through. And and today we've trained over 25,000 people now. And it's it's just crazy. This was six years ago.
2: And and you also, um, you employ, um, obviously, um, ex-felons that have used your program and got into shape and are now instructors um, for these other people, right?
3: Yeah, so that's that's my mission now. Um, I, I eventually saved up enough money, raised enough money through crowdfunding and um, a couple, like, family and friends, um, and opened up the first studio um, uh, under a Buddhist temple, and then I built it to look like a prison, and that started getting packed, and, nice. and then we wow. opened up a bigger spot down the block, um, and then now uh, we have our second location that we just opened up in London uh, about a week ago. <laughs> um, London, so, yeah, so going international right away, and um, so and now, yeah.
2: I'm wondering, uh, can you come to Portland, get Mark in shape, and have him Absolutely. open up a studio here? Because you know, Mark, he's uh, you know, he's not like out of shape totally, but you I'm, know, I mean, am way out of shape. He could, uh, he <laughs> could definitely get in a little bit better shape. I think we all could, all right. but yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Let's
1: I, do need, it. I need Let's to put say, on. I pounds. mean, I'm down. I don't need to lose any. I need to gain. What's the best? <laughs> what's the best gaining method?
3: Gaining method? Yeah,
1: I can't keep any weight on me.
3: I would do a lot of just strength training, um and I would do all body weight strength training, just like push ups, dips, and pull ups. And then you just got to eat. So I feel like a skinny guy trying to gain muscle weight. Mm-hmm. You got to eat a lot. I do. Eat a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, cos um, and, you know,
3: and the drinking for the belly. If you have that, that little that little bump down there,
2: <laughs> <laughs> protein baby. Yes. Yeah,
3: so yeah, proteins
2: versus carbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, cos you know what? Um, we're getting close to the end of the, our session here, man. And we just want to thank you so much for coming on, man. We're so proud of you thank for you. what you're doing, man. We're we're happy that you you are at where you're at in life. Um, if there's anything that you'd like to throw out there, any websites, any, any, you know, information, um, let our listeners have it right now.
3: Yeah. I mean, if you want to check us out, it's called Combody C-O-N-B-O-D-Y, like Convict Body. Uh, you could try our $5 month subscription model where you could train virtually with your favorite ex-con, um, small constrained space and no equipment and will work on getting that prison body voice always desired uh, so do that and also follow us on Instagram Twitter everywhere same handle con body across the board and uh, just hit us up
2: man that's freaking awesome man well you know what we'll probably be hitting you up sometime down the road again because we just love having yep. you on here so um, let me just end this by saying we'd like to thank our producer Mark Grimes his sidekick Michael Coates and our undernourished sound guy all on maybe you could come here and give him a few workouts there There
3: let's do
2: it all right buddy hey have a good weekend nice meeting you thank you oh thank you man
3: all right thank you for having me back appreciate it
0: support for today's episode comes from our friends at ruby receptionist at ruby they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit CallRuby.com slash StartupRadio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code StartupRuby. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and you get a $150 credit.